Zimbabwe. Very good evening, Zimbabwe. You are listening to Studio 7 from the Voice of America in Washington. This is the Diaspora Forum, and I'm Kips Tube. Tonight we are talking about street vendors' daily struggles in Zimbabwe and beyond. We will also briefly look at Valentine's Day. But before we discuss these and related issues, let's take a brief look at what is happening elsewhere. The World Health Organization says that in Zambia, 70% of men and over 30% of women are drinking too much too often. Some non-profit organizations are intervening to help those on the path to recovery from alcohol addiction. Kathy Short reports from Lusaka, Zambia. 49-year-old businessman Bellington Shanzi started drinking beer casually as a teenager, but he says he quickly became addicted to alcohol. My family and relationships were broken because um, it would lead to, you know, little time with, um, I'm a married man. Uh, little time with family, little time with even, um, you know, your own siblings and everything. You shun everything. Your budget is distorted. In the end, your life just becomes, you know, centered on alcohol. You become selfish. Bellington has just completed a three-month alcohol recovery program at Serenity Wellness Center, which focuses on providing medicine and therapeutic solutions. The program costs $245 per month over a three-month period. This price tag is beyond the reach of most Zambians, where the average salary is between $300 and $350 per month. The fees cater for logistics like food, medicines, and administrative costs for alcohol recovery participants during the program. For those who cannot afford it or are also grappling with mental health issues, the center offers some free services. Kapamwech Kontwe is Serenity's founder and executive director. He says part of the problem is that alcohol is cheap and easy to get in Zambia. Almost every shopping mall has alcohol, at, almost in, in every shop. So people have this opportunity, they are able to buy at any point, at every small instance, every corner in Zambia as a, as a spot where alcohol is being sought. Chikonto says that an average of seven people turn up for help at Serenity every day, and he says his center is helping about 60% of the people that go through the program, while 40% relapse. 38-year-old Musonda Kahenya also says he has completed his alcohol recovery program. He has been sober for a few months now. Because of the heavy drinking, I started missing, from, I started missing days from work, yeah, losing jobs. Then later on, started having a lot of bills in uh, bars. Yeah, you know, I overdrink what I can afford. 
Yeah, so it became quite a burden, especially on my family members. In 2018, the country enacted a national alcohol policy that sets opening hours for bars and restricts sales in markets and shopping malls. It prohibits consumption by people under the age of 18. But Chikontra says that policy isn't being enforced and points to media reports indicating that 42% of alcohol consumers are between the ages of 13 and 15. Chikontra says his organization is working closely with the government to urgently fine-tune the national alcohol policy. So, like in like in other policies, um, we need to sensitize uh, the population based on the existence of this policy, but as well as on the content. Zambia's Health Minister Sylvia Masebo told VOA that they recognize the problem and says the government will prosecute those ignoring the national alcohol policy. But activists say that's not enough and are calling for tougher measures like fast-tracking the prosecution of offenders to send a clear message. Kathy Short, VOA News, Lusaka, Zambia. Thanks for that, Kate. Uh, the late former MTC leader Mokin Songrai died on this day in 2018. He fought against black oppression and was once attacked by suspected state security agents for joining a public protest. He also became Prime Minister of Zimbabwe for an impasse over the outcome of the 2008 elections. Here's what Tsangirai always promised to Zimbabweans. I recognize the honor you have bestowed on me. I know the depth of your feelings and I know the nation's expectations. I promise to deliver a service in your name. I promise to lead from the front and I promise to use all available resources and the willpower of the people to see off this tyranny of Zimbabwe. That was Mokin Swangirai addressing a public rally in Harare. His widow Elizabeth Swangirai said in a statement today that she dearly misses her husband and knows very well that millions of Zimbabweans are missing him. She wishes to have been with him on Valentine's Day today. Let's take a brief break. In times of change, when the world seems uncertain, and what we hear doesn't reflect what we see, we seek the truth. When we are told only part of the story, we lose trust. In moments of crisis, our dreams, hopes, and wishes for a better tomorrow depend on a free press. At Voice of America, we bring you the stories that people take risks to see. We connect the world and unite it with truth. At Voice of America, we show you the whole picture. For those that have joined us uh, today, please note that we are streaming this discussion live on our Facebook pages, VOA Shona, VOA Studio 7, and VOA Indebele. We are also live on YouTube, VOA Zimbabwe. You can also find us on our website, www.voaindebele.com, www.voashona.com, and www.voazimbabwe.com. Send us your messages right now so that 
we can call you back. And we have got uh, our guests uh, tonight on this discussion over uh, issues to do with vendors. And we're joined right now by vendors leader, Ms. Lorraine Lovo. Uh, she is right now in, uh, in Morocco. We also have Ms. Mildred Nkomazana, who is actually based in uh, Dubai. That is the United Arab Emirates. Welcome to the program, both. Hello, Ms. Lovo. Hello. Thank you. Yeah, thank you Hello. so much. Hello. Thank you so much. Yeah. So let's start with the uh, Miss Lovo. So you are in Morocco. Tell us what are you doing there? I am in Morocco, and um, we are at a meeting, which is more of a, a workshop for monitoring, learning, and evaluation with organisations that work with informal economy workers, who include street vendors, waste pickers domestic workers, and home-based workers. At this workshop, we are mainly focusing on outcome harvesting, and we would like to measure ourselves as organizations and workers in the informal economy to see if we are really making headway in all our intended objectives. And you are a leader of two organizations, Ms. Uh, Lovu. And, uh, you know, I guess we are doing a lot in terms of what is happening uh, in terms of uh, street vending. So there are challenges that are faced by vendors uh, globally. And then when we crystallize it uh, to Africa, we know that there's a lot that is happening in Zimbabwe, in Zambia, and other nations. So what are these serious challenges that we are facing? Yes, you are right, Dube. I lead two organizations the Zimbabwe Chamber of Informal Economy Associations at national level and at global level with StreetNet International. And uh, in our work, there are a lot of challenges within Zimbabwe as well as other countries worldwide. And these challenges mainly have to do with harassment and violence against vendors in their world of work. And when we talk about harassment and violence, it is not like we decided just to come up with that term. At uh, international labor organizational level, there are discussions which happen every year and our states do attend, participate, deliberate and adopt international labor standards some of which protect workers in the informal economy. This year, we celebrate five years of the adoption of an international labor organization convention on the elimination of violence and harassment in the world of work. And this also includes protections for workers in the informal economy, most of whom, as StreetNet International, are vendors. So do you have examples of, let's say, brutality or any of these things that are being perpetrated by governments? And is there any way that you as a vending group are doing something to engage them and they are also trying to engage you? Yes, there are many forms of brutality that we have, ranging from um, harassment 
in the different areas where vendors work in, in the streets where they work in. Vendors are considered a public nuisance. And usually, if there is a pandemic, the main cause is often described as the street vendors who are working in the streets. Rarely do governments take an inward look. For instance, to say, if we have a problem with cholera, definitely cholera has got a lot to do with the, with the dysfunctional water reticulation systems. But nobody talks about that. The next move is to remove vendors from their workplaces, demolish their workstations, which is happening right now, not only in Zimbabwe, but in Zambia as well. So how serious is this issue, and what have you done, really, to engage them? Because it seems you can the, do that. The issue is very serious because this means there is a loss of livelihood. For so many people, informal economy workers are the majority in Africa mostly. In Zimbabwe, they are a vast majority. And street vendors do the street vending, not out of choice, but as a way of getting livelihoods. And when they are being um, removed from their workplaces, their goods confiscated, this means that there is a loss of livelihood. And the way we have um, actually engaged, we have tried our level best to engage with local authorities and engage also with um, government, meaning that we have engaged with members of parliament at um, their level in parliament as well as with the different parliamentary committees. We thought we were making um, progress in Zimbabwe, but always, whenever we think there is progress, we always take two steps backwards, not because we are in control, but we wake up to a surprise where people are being removed from their workplaces, demolitions are taking place, confiscations are taking place. So we, we really would like to see a sustainable uh, solution to the problem. Because in the first place, there should be a way of protecting, regulating, and helping street vendors to work sustainably rather than destroying livelihoods and beautifying cities at the expense of livelihoods. Beautification yes. of cities should be inclusive. Mm -hmm. Just hold on there for some few seconds, or for some few minutes. Let's turn to uh, Miss Mildred Komazana. Hey, Ms. Mkomazana, we are happy to have you today. Kunja, nikuna wapi tupai. Thank you. I lapa siya pila, babutuwe ngezwa dina. Ye, akustele lapa sizo kutuake, uyatengu tengisi mpata, uchikachiga, utope loku, utope lukiana, utoli virile mocha lapu, utoli zikipa, lungunye. Utupa kanga nini kunoko? Eh, kaniswa dini, anyege nize nishi kuti uwea shupa. Ego 
bayantsonjelwa bazonjonjelwa zonjonjelwa ngizonjonjelwa leso sikhathi engakaze azasebenze lawe angakaze aze azama ukuthi mhlawumbe akakhulumisane nawe abekwazi ukuthi lezi zinto zikhutshwa kanjani abanye uthola ukuthi banalo khani ukwethu ukuthi hayibo use United Arab Emirates impahla zifika kanjani ezimbabwe impahla zifika kanjani endaweni eyithi sokumela ukuthi uqale uchaze noma usuchazile kuba nzima bakudube kube nzima kimi ikhona ngoba ngisebenza kakhulu uh kuma social media lap engathi ngikhona phe engikhona kakhulu uthola ukuthi ngezinye isikhathi yaripo yaripoto ngiyakhumbula ukuthi ngike ngaphosela izinto engizithengisayo ngayithola ukuthi sengireportiwe ka Facebook ukuthi nangumuntu ezosijontshela ufuna ukuzosijontshela imali kathi lutho akuwona umqondo wami akuyona injongo yami yokuthi ngenza izinto ezinjalo injongo yami yokuthi ngingumuntu esifazana ophuma enkayi niwenze lami wenze njengalokho kwenziwa ngabanye abantwana phandle baningisi ababona bayathengisa bayabakhukhula sebenze benamagama bayazi ukuthi usibanizele ilento uyayenza lami ngiphuma enkayi ngiyahlisa ukuthi nami ngiyenze yenzeke kungaphela ukuthi enkayi kwaziwa ukuthi umnyama bambile lami ngifuna ukuthi ngithi umnyama uphandile angiwazi ukuthi ungakuphi kwakhona ngizame lami ukuthi ngifake indawo yakithi ebalazweni ngenze okuhle ngikhumbula ukuthi ngumntwana wakuphi ngoba ngiyathanda ukuthi sasa ebekhona ozovuka ehlangana lo muntu ophuma enkayi acabange nina ngokube ngibenzile kodwa kunalokho ngifuna ukwenza okuhle ngibabonisa abantu ekhaya ukuthi ibusiness ikhona indawo zonke nabakhona khona lapho ukuthi bebona ukuthi nangaphendle kokusebenza esebenza ngoba siyasebenza lapho akukhona ukuthi imali esiyitholayo ikhona inengi ayikhoningi ayikho kodwa wona lawa amasenja nesiwenza engiwenza yeceleni mangithekile akufani ngazini ukuthi nami ingwazi ukuthi ngenze u1 no2 no3 ebengeke ngize ngikwazi ukuthi ngikwenze makade ngihlele so ukuthi sikhuthazane singikhuthazane ukuthi asingahlaleli ukuthi sizosebenza khona lokho esikwenzayo ekuthengiseni khona lapha kubalulekile ngibe ngibatshele futhi ukuthi bengesabi ukuthi umuntu uzozibuza ukuthi khona le United Arab izinto zisuka nezizofika kanjani ezimbabwe mazikwazi ukusuka echina zizoqeda inyanga ezintathu kodwa egcineni zizofika lapha zizohlula ikuyini ngoba ma impahla zihamba kaningi mina kulama Korea companies engisebenzisana lawo khona ethathinsuke izintathu ukusiya kweziyikhombisa impahla zaphiya ukuthi uzitholile banengi bayazi ukuthi vele into engikhuluma yengikhuluma into enza kanye yeah kodwa kuthi bajala ukuthi bajala ukuthi zonelwa mvunye so bamba khona lapho sike sizwe ke kulomama lapho ufona izobotswana ungayikhatshana ngoma zami eh ukuthwana kunjani kula ngapho ayinyaphila ukuthi ngawuthengisa 
Back to you, uh, Mrs. Love. So, you know, normally we've got uh, this other issue in which um, uh, goods being sold by vendors are confiscated by the local authorities and so forth. Where do they take those things to? Have you ever found out? There is no clear articulation of where those goods are taken. Neither is there any accountability system that one can follow. So I believe that in the first place, if there is a crime which has been committed, it is by a human being, the goods know no crime. So there is no justification in confiscating one's goods. What should happen is that if a street vendor has committed a crime, they should be booked for the crime. It should be well explained. And if there is a fine to be paid, a fine should be paid. There is utterly no um, 
justification for confiscation of goods other than that it seems like just plain cruelty. Mm-hmm. No, I hear you so hold on the we are going to, uh, in the last segment, we've got roughly about uh, six minutes, and we're going to focus on certain things like, you know, your own life, but I know to you is a difficult moment, especially when it comes to February uh, the 14th. We know that you lost your husband. So, but uh, what does Valentine mean to you? And what would you have hoped for if Megazelo Matum was still alive? I would have hoped for the usual uh, celebration. Although we were not big on that celebration, we would just spend time together. And maybe I would have received chocolates and flowers like any other woman. But also Valentine speaks to the... It was the birthday of um, my late brother. So it has got that double edge. Mm-hmm. And so today? Today I'm celebrating Valentine working for street vendors because even as we are gathering here, we are discussing further strategies on how to deal with the persistent problem of having street vendors being treated like trash rather than workers. And send my love to everybody, all the vendors out there. Thank you, Mr. Thank you so much, and all done. Ms. Komazana, if Valentine Lamplange, he wins the lane of Munyoko. So I am using so you told me only take. Oh, yes, you so, a communist is nice. producer, you can bring that caller if the caller is in so that you can discuss uh, this issue concerning Valentine. So okay, so okay, last kuluma ke kakonoko ke ukuthi ama Valentine ngonibona zathi ncanje umuntu onjengawe kuyosuka olunje eh mankomazana uyawusizwana vela kula lutho bonke ukuthi ah ngokulilanga lokho akudlule mbona ukuthengisa into zami indaba ngathengisa amaflowers uthengisa amahathi khona ukuyana into zibovuvulezi ama perfume abomvu lento zijala kuya wakho ningi business o ngizothi Lesson <laughs> Mm-hmm. 
so lastly, uh, Ms. Lovo, we know that uh, you are a leader of vendors and all these other uh, organizations. But then the last question is, if you were to change the life of a vendor, what would you do today? What I would do today is to first give them the respect due. If I were a president of a country with all the power, on Valentine's Day, I would issue a state of the nation address to recognize and respect street vendors for stepping up, creating their own employment from their own capital, maintaining lives and also providing for their families and society. And secondly, I would also make sure that I get into projects of public-private partnership to create better, humane, and decent workspaces for street vendors to work in so that they have sustainable livelihoods and also that we have mm. beautification of cities which takes into account the humans who work within the street. Thank you very much, Ms. Lovu, and thanks so much to Ms. Komazan as well in Dubai there. Signing off from Washington, this is Kip Stuve saying, Good night, Zimbabwe.